the CEO Diaries, powered by Harper Ellis Hairco. <laughs> Welcome back to season two, episode two of the CEO Diaries. I'm Creighton, and I have some very juicy questions for Tara today, uh, and they're all they're all pretty much centered around being a hairdresser and being a stylist, and kind of your journey with it, and a little bit you know beyond that. So, are you ready to get started? Let's go. All right. So. First off, what inspired you to be a hairstylist? Um, you know, a little bit of a mix of two things. I really did, like, uh, growing up, my I got kicked out of all the daycares that my mom took me to. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, like multiples. <laughs> um, I don't find that which surprising. Which totally, 100%, makes sense of why my kid acts the way he does. Um, but after getting kicked out of all these daycares my mom had no choice because she was a school teacher Mm -hmm. then to leave me with um my great-grandmother that had severe alzheimer's Mm -hmm. so i ate um cheerios with apple juice in them for mornings but i live (laughs) you're fine (laughs) so every day especially in the summertime she had this big square um porch that was like elevated mm-hmm. and I would go out there and I'd set her chair out there and she had probably like 10 hairs on her whole head yeah and I would just brush them and braid them and fix them every Aww. which way I did that and we would kill flies with our fly water okay so I fixed her hair and we would kill flies and that's what we did all day every day because I think she lost track of time of how long we were out there yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so that's what I did and then same with my dad we were so funny like and this is weird but my dad and I were talking about this the other day but he he had this like a uh, chair that he would sit in. It was like mm-hmm. a big comfy chair in our living room and he watched TV and I would put a towel around him and I would spray him down with a spray bottle <laughs> and I would brush his hair every yeah. day. He had pigtails, he yeah. had, you know, like all these different hairstyles. So I was always really obsessed with hairstyling. Yeah. So anyone that would sit down and let me do it, I did. So yeah. I loved that. But to be honest with you, when I went to high school and you know, I wasn't that great at school. Mm-hmm. I didn't love... I mean, I was a decent student, I guess. I, mean, I was mostly an A, B student, sometimes a C student. But I just... I don't know. I didn't want to go to college because that was boring. So I um, wanted to... I you was didn't like, want to hey, be a sorority girl? No, I did not want to be a sorority oh, okay. girl. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to pay for your friends, that's your business. But <laughs> I just... That wasn't my vibe. So I just play, you guys. Much love to all you Kyo, Maga, Kappa, Kappa, Corns. <laughs> um, I love you guys all. But all that to say, I knew that college was not going to be for me. And um, I went to hair school. My parents were really disappointed in me because I was in line to do fourth generation educator. So Little did they know. Little did they know I would educate also. But, um, yeah, I felt like it was a good path for me, but I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. To start with, so. So I know that one thing that, you know, an opportunity that, you know, stemmed from you going to hair school was you took a assistant program, like assistantship, um, out of Vegas. So what made you decide to take that opportunity? And did you, and when you took that opportunity, did you have any idea that you would get to where you're at today? Yeah, no, um, definitely not. I, you know, those of you that don't know, when I got out of hair school, I sort of scouted out a person in the industry that I really looked up to, and his name was Kelly Cardenas. I still appreciate him so Mm -hmm. much to this day. 
And um, what was different about him was I felt as if he had a lot of great morals in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked that about him. And then also, you know, he was doing some of the things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. in life and in my career. And so um, I basically, that's a really, that's a whole podcast. I won't, it's not a boring story. It's a really interesting story, but I all but begged him to give me a job. Yeah. And I was like, I will clean your toilets. I yeah. literally offered whatever I, you know, and he took a chance on this little, you know, Oklahoma girl. And he called me up after I, I drove to Vegas with my Nana and I was like, well, plane tickets were too expensive. I couldn't mm-hmm. afford them. And my parents couldn't afford to fly me out there. And so I was like, well, they can't tell me no if I call my Nana up and say, drive mm-hmm. me to Vegas. Yeah. So we got in the car and drove like 24 hours to Vegas. And that was their like hiring event. And so two weeks later, he called me after I was like, I'll clean your He's like, why are you here? And I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. I just know that I want to work here. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably liked my honesty. And so he called me up two weeks later and Gave me a job and I packed all my bags and moved to Vegas. I was working at a restaurant. I got fired from that restaurant job for smarting off to the manager. Surprise, surprise. And <laughs> and then I was kind of jobless there for a couple of weeks. And one of my friends in Harris School, her dad owned a funeral home. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I got a job for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, what's that? And he was like, you can come do hair and makeup on all my clients. And I was like, well, I guess those clients won't complain if they don't like their hair. (laughs) So I took the job and made good money until I moved out to Vegas. And that was kind of it. So did I know I was going to do what I was going to do? No, absolutely not. I just, the only thing that I, the only quality that I had was to work really hard. And I did that and working really hard got me to wear. Mm -hmm. And as I worked harder, my vision got clearer and it's even more clear now than it ever was. But I, yeah, hard work. Yeah. So, I know we haven't talked about this question, but I'm going to ask it just because I think everybody would be interested in this. Um, and I know, I know just because our story. So, like, one thing that you mentioned was that you were an Oklahoma girl, you know, small town Oklahoma girl. You moved to Vegas to become a hairstylist. And one of the things that you've mentioned to me before is that Kelly didn't love the fact that you like relied on your Southern charm and, you know, your beautiful blonde girl from Oklahoma look. So he changed your look quite significantly. Um, Tell us a little bit about the look and also kind of that lesson that he taught you by taking that look away from you. Yeah. So, you know, when I moved to Las Vegas, I, you know, I looked the same growing up. I looked a lot like I look Mm -hmm. now. And I had, you know, longer blonde hair and, you know, my makeup hasn't changed probably since then. And, and, um, and I was just comfortable, Yeah. you know, I was comfortable and, you know, looking back 32, I'm 32 now and looking back to that girl, I was 19 years mm-hmm. old. Um, I'm so thankful. He taught me a big lesson Mm -hmm. and I didn't know it at the time. I actually hated him. I hated that man. And he, like, I would cry myself to sleep over it. And I literally, I had the worst thoughts and worst things to say about him. And, um, one day I wanted him to do my hair and he was like, yeah, sit down. I'll do your hair. 
and he shaved the side of my head and he dyed it all big bird yellow. <laughs> and I, I still have a picture on my phone. Good luck getting it. I, you won't find it on social media. No pictures of me exist anywhere with my hair like that. But I, it was a picture I sent to my mother because, of course, first thing I did when I walked out of work that day was I called her just sobbing. <laughs> and she, you know, was just like, send me a photo. Well, the photo I sent her, I'd been crying for I don't know how long, so I'm like swollen and red and like red skin and yellow hair. <laughs> Do not if, go together. If you're a hairstylist, those two colors <laughs> don't go together. are not together. And so... Um, I just looked ridiculous, but, um, you know, he was like, you, you live with that hair for six months and then we'll talk. I hope your hair grows fast and, in six you know, months. Yeah. And what was so interesting was like, I was so uncomfortable looking like that. I remember walking into like Walmart to get groceries yeah. and people being like, you know, not, they probably didn't care, but I felt as if people were yeah. looking at me and it was such a lesson to me that. His, the lesson that he was trying to teach me, very harsh way to teach a 19-year-old this lesson. Not sure I would I would do that myself, but um, he was trying to teach me, like, it's not about the way that you look. Mm -hmm. And it's about, like, what are your characteristics? You know, he got me out of the comfort zone where I didn't look the way that I wanted to look. And he's trying to get me out of my shell, you know. And something that he used to always call me, and it still sticks with me this day, is Eeyore. And I'm not a negative person, and I know that. I'm born a positive person, and so I, you know, what I know about you is he's sad and he's okay. negative and all these things. And so I was just like, why does he call me that? But I was so uncomfortable in that environment, which is not a bad thing, mm -hmm. that I was like, I was not able to be myself. Yeah. And so he, he, as an older man, could mm -hmm. see that, and he knew you know, I had a lot of growth to do in that specific. So he was teaching me a lesson. He was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make you so uncomfortable that the real you has to come out mm -hmm. because you don't have all these comfort blankets to rely on. Yeah. And so I do think I had a lot of growth from that experience, even though it took a lot of years for me. It's been 10 years now or mm -hmm. more. And so it took a lot of years for me to admit that that was such mm -hmm. a good lesson, but I hated him for it because I don't want yellow hair. Nothing against that if you like yellow hair, but I also don't want the shot of, side of my head shaved. So, yeah. yeah. So I know I'm just kind of going off on a whim here, but like also another, you know, and it pertains to kind of that image and kind of your journey while being in Vegas is, you know, there's like, I remember you told me this like specific time where you'd like saved up and saved up and you had finally bought your first pair of what kind of boots was it again? It was Louboutin. Louboutin so, boots, yeah. okay. So, and I remember you told me that you had a lot of discoveries within that first week of getting these. So tell me mm -hmm. why, what lessons you learned and what, like, where did it come from? Like, what did you discover and why did, why do you think that was a thing? Yeah, I mean, being 19, I was making little over minimum wage, had zero business buying at the time, probably they were $800 shoes. Mm -hmm. They've gone up in price now. Um, so I had no business doing that. Mm -hmm. But I had been started performing so well that I was getting really good tips at the time. It was really good tips for me. And um, I made this goal that I wanted because everyone around me was wearing them. You know, I lived in Vegas. Everything was flashy. Everything was pretty. And um, I loved – I always liked nice things. Like, mm -hmm. even as a child, like, I've been so attracted to nice things. And so, um, 
my boss then really instilled this like look good, feel good sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that to this day. And so I was like, I want to buy me some red bottoms. And mm-hmm. so I saved up and I bought my first pair. Well, the, I wore this. They were so uncomfortable. My feet were freaking <laughs> killing me. Nobody told me expensive shoes actually are very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, it makes no sense. I have no idea. Um, but I bought, I bought these shoes and I wore them to work. And I had had my best week retail sales. Mm-hmm. And I, it's because I just like took on this whole new confidence. Mm-hmm. And so that whole look good, feel good thing really started to make sense to mm-hmm. me. Now, 32 year old Tara will tell you, you don't have to have $800 or $2,000 shoes to feel good about yourself, but it's all in here yeah. and it's all in here. And so, um, you know, if you don't feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. you don't think you look good, you will never, yeah. ever reach any of your goals. Yeah. So. See, I feel like there's kind of those two lessons, you know, intertwined with things. Because, like, when I think of designer shoes, I think of Tara. Like, I I mean, they're just, they kind of go hand in hand. And, you know, I personally, like, what I learned from it, you may not learn that or connect to the two, but, like, you couldn't stand the, like, the whole alter ego that you were given because it was never you. And, like, you probably felt that persona of Eeyore because you are so not you. Yeah. However, you got your first pair of designer shoes, which is, you know, I am my opinion that it's just you. Yeah. And you finally had a sense of self. And then, you know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily the fact that it was designer shoes. Mm-hmm. Like it could be anything for anyone, but in your circumstance, it was a pair of designer shoes. And, you know, you had that newfound confidence to literally mm-hmm sell you know the world you know yeah. to uh, your clients and I, you know, I think that's that's awesome yeah I mean you know especially now like we we raise a lot of kids in our environment mm-hmm. as I call it they're not children but you know we have some young ones and you mm-hmm. mentor especially firsthand mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of really ca- hard conversations with those people and I think that's why that those stories and a lot of those young mm-hmm. people in our in our ecosystem they don't even know these stories about yes, me yeah but um, they, I'm sure they think, wow, she's like really passionate about me building my confidence. And mm-hmm. I am. I'm really passionate about building other people's confidence and then building my confidence. And here's the thing about confidence. All it takes is putting someone in the right environment. Mm-hmm. Like that is all it is. And it takes sometimes everyone around them to get them to, you know, you've got to boost people up. And I don't know, I'm really passionate, as you can tell, about growing confidence is mm-hmm. because of that scenario yeah. and what happened to me. You know, I just realized I'm like, wow, it's all in here. It's like, I think these shoes made me money. No, my bank account's empty. Let's be honest. But they did make me a lot of money because I became confident. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, a big thing about you is I feel like you aspire to be like this advocate for, you know, stylist and, you know, honestly, everybody in your life, like obtaining their dream life. Um, where, where does that come from? Why do you desire that so much? You know, I grew up, I have great parents. Mm-hmm. Like, both of my parents are individually amazing. I, um, they both, my parents were divorced in fifth grade. And when my parents divorced, you know, the road for me looked a little different. And I never, until I got older, Um, and still maybe a little bit, I don't see my parents living their like quote unquote dream life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I talk about my mom a lot 
my mom is a she uh, she's you know remarried now I have a wonderful step stepfather but um she's a single mom and she was a school teacher mm-hmm. and so that's where you know a lot of my story starts because I got so angry for and I still am I'm so angry for school teachers mm-hmm. and they're like the foundation of our society and yet I watch my mom give so much, sometimes even more time to her kids in the classroom than she did to me and my brother mm-hmm. and because it was her job and she loved it also. And no matter how much time and effort she put into that, she never made more money. Mm-hmm. And that makes me angry because you have so many teachers, especially now, I still watch my mom. I, I ask her all the time, especially knowing what I know yeah. now. I'm like, you need to tell that school to shove it. Yeah. And thank God she don't listen to me, mm-hmm. but you know she works her ass off, and she never gets a raise. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she that's... probably uses a lot of her own money to absolutely. support her classroom. Absolutely, well. and so that was a lot where my foundation started of me, you know, like wanting to be an advocate for my own life that I really needed to like create my dream life. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, a lot of these podcasts I've explained what my dream life is. Really, it's just financial freedom. I love the fancy things. Like, they really do make me happy. Okay. You can't convince me otherwise. I mean, I'm not too different. <laughs> You're kind of the same way. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of things past that that make me really happy. And so um, I like being able to kind of... I use my childhood as a lesson of what I, I didn't want for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Not that I had a bad childhood. I had a great childhood. My parents taught me the most important thing, and it was just love. Both loved me genuinely and to their core, and they still do. And they did their best, and I know that. And so um, that was the most important lesson. And they also taught Mm -hmm. me to work really hard. So whether they made more money, that wasn't the important part. And I thank God every day for the childhood that I had because I wouldn't know what I know now. Mm -hmm. And so now that's why I'm such an advocate for other people. Like, you don't have to live like you lived your childhood life, Mm -hmm. or maybe you do want to live that way, or... I don't know. It's just you can design your own life, and that's why I'm such an advocate for other people. I want you to. I want everyone to realize that, and yeah. not everyone does, and that makes me mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I'm at. So, what advice, if you know, if you could have spoken to you know yourself now as a 16 year old, as a 21 year old, what advice would you give to yourself from those ages? I wish that, like, especially 16 year old Tara, you know. I was in high school, and I was worried about my boyfriend, who, thank God, is not my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also worried about girls being mean to me. And I probably was the root of the problem. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> but, like, there's so many things that you worry about at 16 that is just not important. Yeah. And But that's okay. That's mm-hmm. all a learning experience. I don't. I wouldn't really change that, but I wish... I wish that I could tell 21-year-old Tara that I am who I needed, who I need to be. I'm going to cry. I don't want to be, but I wish I could tell, you know, because I didn't love myself at 21. Mm-hmm. And not that I hated myself either, but I didn't love, like, I didn't trust myself to be as amazing as I, as mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing things that other 21-year-olds weren't at 21, and that's why I have the life I have now. 
But I wish that I could have just been like, you are doing fine. Like, yeah. stop trying to change yourself into being more or different or whatever. Because, like, I've always had the core values that I have now. And um, because my parents raised me right. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that I could have just told myself, uh, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're you're on the right path. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So inspiring. <laughs> so... We kind of want to flip the script here a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about in the last episode about some of these certifications, you know, you know, the multitude of them. Um, so can you share with us a little bit of the, about what your opinion is on pricing of certifications? Yeah. I mean, I have gone a little haywire on this lately, especially on social media. Um, I just think that a lot of times out there, we are paying and, and and here's the thing i pay a lot for brands too mm-hmm. like yesterday i was wearing a freaking jacket that had louis vuitton label all over it <laughs> so i get it yeah <laughs> you know but like that louis vuitton jacket is not changing my life and sometimes i think we're guilty of putting our dollars somewhere where we're just hoping and praying that someone makes us feel like we're a part of something. And to be honest, like you shouldn't count on someone else to make you feel a part of something Mm -hmm. because it's kind of all up to you. And I think you need to look at, we need to start looking at these companies and their core values and what they're, you know, is there, is it on the table that you could be more successful than the owners of these companies? Because if you feel as if it's not on the table, meaning that they're not going to ever teach you enough to get you where they are, get out. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I know that no one will get to where I am because no one's as excited or passionate as I am. And I just know that because that's how I feel Mm -hmm. every day. It's like a freaking fire flaming inside of Mm -hmm. me. If anyone else feels this way, please holler at me. I know a lot of my people on my team feels this way. But, and that's why they're on my team. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I just think that sometimes you got to look at people and what they're, what they're charging you for. Is it to put dollars in their pocket or they giving you something so valuable that your life's going to forever change Mm -hmm. here to tell you that a method, it'll change your life to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. It'll teach you tools behind the chair to, Start to change your life, but just the method's not going to mm-hmm. change your life, which is why our just our method class, and we don't charge a lot for it, but just our method class, we teach a lot more than just a method because yeah. there's a lot more that's important mm-hmm. than just how to do hair. So I agree. So what do you think it takes to become a successful leader? Um... Whenever my career started to take off was when I started to put other people's success just as important as my own. Mm-hmm. And, but I, it didn't take me long. An advantage for me was it didn't take me long to realize that I was just as excited about, and like I was just as passionate yeah. about other people's success as I am my own. And so that came easy for me. But that honestly doesn't come easy for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Sometimes you just have to shift and figure out what you are passionate about so that you can go down that road. But um, 
as a leader, like you've got to take the ego out. You know, there, I could easily get an ego and I have before, you know, there's been times where I collect this ego a little bit, just maybe for, um, self-defense, mm -hmm. you know, and I've created egos a lot of the times for just being defensive of like, no, you know, I'm so protective of this empire that we've built. And so sometimes an ego comes with that scenario, but you just have to take the ego out. Like I'm just an everyday girl. Let's mm -hmm. just be honest. I just, I'm a little bit crazy and I'm really passionate. Yeah. And so, um, I want everyone to go with me. Like anyone, mm -hmm. I don't care. The homeless person off the street could come in and be like, Tara, I just know what you're doing is good. And I want to go with you and I'll do anything and everything to go. And I'll take them with me too. That's all I need. I just need someone to be like, or I have a lot of people, but anyone that is like, I'm going with you, I'm taking them with me. So mm -hmm. that's what I think. So, you know, a lot of that, it, you know, like you mentioned, like it's, you have a team and, and the reason you have such the team that you do is because you have those opinions. So, you know, reverse engineering that, like, what do you look for in a team member? Yeah, I mean, usually I can sniff out pretty quickly if someone's, like, willing to do the things that no one else is willing to do. <laughs> because not everyone is willing to do those things, and you have to be. Like, even I do things mm -hmm. still to this day, even though I've run this shit show around here, I still do things that I don't want to do. Like, mm -hmm. just yesterday, I'm like, yo, Lena, please, like, here's the electric bill. I literally have to sign on... At, auto pay is that's another podcast for another day auto pay is messed up doesn't matter anyway I'm like I'm it's taken me 20 30 minutes you know once a month which I know it doesn't seem like much, but in my world that's a lot of time mm -hmm. and so I'm like please you know help me and she's like yeah I got it you know I'll take care of it from here on out and so I'm still doing things I don't want to do not necessarily don't want to do but probably don't need to be doing so I just think that I'm looking I'm willing I'm looking for those people that understand that I'm not going to give them success on a silver platter. Yeah. Cause I just, no one gave it to me. And honestly, it's not even a thing. I couldn't even do that if I wanted to. Yeah. Because if I gave you success on a silver platter, you don't have the, the beams to keep the sturdy thing up. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't, you don't, it doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. Yeah. So I'm looking for someone that's willing to like hold, hold the thing up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You, Build your house on yeah. solid ground. Exactly. You know? so. And solid ground comes from yeah. you know, being there and doing yeah. the things that others won't do. Yeah, totally. So I know there's a, probably an entire list and 17 podcasts of things that you want to change in the industry. <laughs> but let's, let's wrap it down to one. What is like one big thing you want to change in the industry or about the industry? I wish stylists would understand that their success or someone else's success does not affect theirs. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish that we could all get on the same team. And I wish that, like, when you when someone comes in your salon and they got jacked up hair from the stylist down the street, like, you don't need to ask who did it. It don't mm -hmm. freaking matter. So let's, like, all get on the same team. Just in my email the other day, I dealt with two stylists that were just mean girl to... Mm -hmm. Well, actually, one was mean girl to the other dogging her to this client. The client was in our inbox. It was chaos. Mm -hmm. And like me being the person I am, I pick up the phone and call the mean girl stylist. And I'm like, look, you're, you're being a mean girl. Mm -hmm. Like whose team are you on? And she didn't, she was 
die. She almost wanted to die. I could, it was through the phone and I could tell that she wanted to die on the other end of the phone. But I'm like, come on. That, I hate that about this industry. Like, everyone's so afraid of what they're going to get taken away from them. And that's just, a, that is the most dumb, elementary, just stupid way to look at life. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with that. I mean, it's, I, I know it's sometimes, I mean, I'm kind, I kind of like the interest of like knowing who did it, but I don't want to know. Right. Like, yeah, you know, on the, the immature, like, gossip side of it, you're like, hey, it'd be kind of funny to know. But, like, you don't need to know. Right. It doesn't matter. Because, you know, the truth is of it, like, it doesn't it doesn't matter if the person down the street knows what they're doing or if they don't, mm-hmm. because you do. And that's why the client's in your chair. Right. So that's something I always try to do. And, I mean, everyone should be doing the same is, you know, if a client's like, oh, so-and-so, you know, did this. And I'm like, first of all, like, Especially if I know that they have something that I don't like going, I'm like, okay, like, before we even get started, like, I don't care who did it. I don't care, you know, where they work at, you know, why they did what they did. Like, what we're here to do to do is to discuss, like, the solution or the correction for it. Not, not the problem. Like, we shouldn't focus on mm-hmm. the problem. And I think that's one of the big things is, like, part of that being the mean girl or the whatever of it is, like, this... The new stylist is they're focusing on the problem versus the solution, which is why the client's there for you is to find the solution. Like, mm-hmm. they, they know what the problem is. They don't mm-hmm. care. Honestly, if we were all focused more on the solution than the problem, no. we would have a better life in I every aspect. I fully agree. Yeah, for sure. So what is something that you wish more hairstylists knew about? How to do the business side of this industry. Um we're all artistic at nature, mm-hmm. most of us. And so, you know, I wish that people would understand the numbers side of it because it's really simple. It's simple math. I took remedi- remedial math in college, like literally, I shit you not. And I can do, I'm one of the fastest, like my husband all the time is like, you can do like math so fast in your head. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like, I had remedial math. Maybe that's where I learned it. But no, I, it's not, like, I wasn't good at X, Y, Z equals one, two, three. You know, yeah. that's, that doesn't make sense to me. But, like, a d- division or multiplication or mm-hmm. add and subtract, I can do that in my head. And so um, I just wish that more people would attend, call this a sales pitch. I don't care. It mm-hmm. is, 100%. I wish more people would attend our classes because that's what we teach yeah. is, like, how to strategically make money so you aren't dealing with burnout. Mm-hmm. So you aren't broke, and so you're actually profitable, and you're not doing this for fun. Because I bet a very high percentage of this industry are doing this business for fun, and you don't even know it. Meaning you're not really making any money because you don't know how to run the business part. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, that's something I you know I hear a lot from you know people that I went to school with. It's like you know I try to talk to them about you know kind of their career and where they're at and. It, it, you know, it's hard to kind of not be like, why? why? Like, why do you continue to do it? Because it's like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not charging what they're worth, and you know, we mm-hmm. that has a thing of its own, mm-hmm. charging what you're worth, whatever you're worth, anyway. Um, but you know, they're not even charging Fair anything prices, yeah. that is going to remotely make them any money. So yeah. they're like, well, you know, I have to, I got, I have to go to work just to stay afloat, like. You know, my my kid got sick and 
I basically had to just drop him somewhere because I I don't have any option but to stay at work. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think that, you know, if, if we can focus on, you know, prioritizing, you know, our business side of it versus like the art. Yeah, I know like that's what ours is, is art, but... If you can learn the business side of it, it's like you will get to that financial freedom mm-hmm. a lot faster than you think. Mm-hmm. So just ask you. I, I'm, <laughs> I've gotten pretty good. I, I've always wanted to do more, but yeah. I mean, that's why you're in the position. Yeah. You're in. yeah, I continue to want to try to improve everything, and I think I think that's part of it. Like I, I think that you know we should always set the next step, but like once you get to the next step, is that really like, don't stop there. Yeah. Like, because, like, good. if you made it there, you can make it further. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to stop limiting ourselves to this, you know, this idea of, yeah, here's our glass ceiling. Like, no, there ain't a ceiling. That's yeah. it. Why, it's, why you think it's glass, it's, it's see-through. Like, you can just keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, so what is the next big thing on your to-do list? Oh, um, there, there's a lot of, a lot <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if I would, if I was going to say things that people wouldn't expect, you know, I want, um, 40 to 45, um, rental properties, mm-hmm. um, in my real estate yeah. LLC. I don't know if people are like, what? Thought you'd do hair. Yeah. I do, but I also want to be a real estate guru <laughs> Yeah, hey. and I want to have a lot of rental property. Um, so I want... Um, you know, 40 to 45 in the next two to three years. And then, um, I actually want to write a book. I want to be an, I want to be an, I want to be an author. Um, I have a lot to say, obviously, but, um, I want to I can't wait to post you for your, for my cover. For your photo. Yes. Yeah. And then I definitely, I've done being quiet about the way Mm -hmm. that I feel about this industry and about the education that we have to offer, mm-hmm. Harperless has such a good product, mm-hmm. and we also have great education. But the education part, I'm ready to just put like I want to inject roids into it, just like over and mm-hmm. over and over, and I want to change a lot of lives because of it. So there you go. All right, so let's break it down a little bit. So for a Harperless Haircut, can you tell me what it's going to look like in the next year, the next five years, and Maybe even the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, we'll just pick the middle five. Um, five years from now, we're going to be a $100 million business. Hell yeah. And just five. <laughs> um, we're also going to have probably by then 200 employees for just Harpel's Hair Co. Um, we're going to basically take over the whole industry, mm-hmm. like 100%. Um, that's, that's kind of it. And then by then I hope I reach my goal of 250,000 hairstylists. And I hope that we are at least in a solid seven countries. I like it. <laughs> well, let's get started. We gotta go get. We gotta go because we so, gotta go get to work. <laughs> so you know what? Um, we're gonna actually wrap that up with episode two, uh, season two. Um, so stay tuned for episode three. Yeah. See you next time. Bye.